it's a documentary which seeks to answer a really big question. It's called Life what on earth is it? Yeah, it's going pretty deep. Dr. Ben Makin is the producer and presenter of it. He's been talking to loads of experts, including those at the University of Derby, and is seeking to answer that question, to discover the the nature of life, the meaning of life, I guess. It's big stuff for a Monday night, but it is fascinating. You're going to hear it over the next few nights, actually, here on BBC Radio Derby. And you'll be meeting Dr. Ben on the show a little later on. And Dr. Ben is on the line right now. Great to have you on, Dr. Ben. And thank you so much for, for taking the time to do all of this. Explain then, I mean, the, the title sort of says it, but in your words, what is the documentary about? Yeah, well, thank you very much, Martin. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, honoured to be on your show. So, so thank you. Uh, yeah, so the show, uh, really, this little programme, it's, it's kind of answering that question that I think probably has occurred to all of us at some point in time, right? You know, sitting there uh, looking perhaps at your local pond or, you know, if you're lucky enough to go to these fantastic kind of safaris abroad and you kind of look at these, you know, really charismatic, huge animals and elephants and things. But you've probably thought at some point, you know, what actually is life? Why is it here? Why is there just nothing? You know, you can probably quite easily imagine that the universe could just be a barren place. So why is there life at all? Um, and related to that question, kind of where does it come from? Uh, you know, there's many kind of ways that you can kind of begin to think about these kind of questions. So what I really wanted to do is just bring the sort of um, these kind of questions to you know, the general public and really make everybody realise that science really is for, for you, it's for everyone. Um, so we're actually towards the end of this uh, particular little piece, um, you'll be hearing from a yeah, fantastic astrophysicist called Dr. Raphael Haywood, and she's actually going to be telling you uh, ways that you can actually get involved and do some real science. They call it citizen science. So this really does mean that anybody... Uh, if you're interested at all, you can get involved. You can actually help the scientists basically plug through these data sets looking for exoplanets. So this is planets um, actually outside the outside the solar system, and they're looking for Earth-like planets. So, you know, this, this kind of goes hand in hand with this question. What is life? Uh, are we alone in the universe? Is there life outside? So, yeah, I just really want to get people involved. Um, everyone, you know, I want everyone to feel welcome in science. So that's it's a bit of an attempt to do that, really, and get everyone thinking. <laughs> it's such a bit, well, several questions there, but they are such big questions. Where do you come at this from then? What made you want to create this documentary and answer some of these questions? Yeah, so I guess it's related really to to my kind of background. So my, my PhD was in um, in biosciences. So it's kind of uh, to me, it's one of those kind of popular science questions that's kind of unavoidable if you're if you're you know a biologist. Uh, and I was lucky enough to be surrounded really by uh, you know really fantastic and inspirational scientists. So you'll hear from a few of them actually in this in this particular program. You'll have your very own uh, University of Derby's. Professor Michael Sweet is a molecular ecologist and um, aquatic biologist, and he's just absolutely fantastic. He's really brilliant at uh, you know welcoming you in and, and, and making it accessible. So I think that's really key. So being surrounded by people like that, and then you'll also be hearing from Professor Sasha Dahl and Professor David Hoskin, uh, two evolutionary biologists from the uh, University of Exeter, actually down down the Cornwall campus where they're based, uh, and they're all just so brilliant at. You know, well, first of all, you know, being up for this kind of thing and, and, and being on the on, on the radio chatting about, which is just awesome. But but also they're just so good at talking to you and, and making you feel, you know, welcome because these guys are so super smart. They could easily make you feel, you know, a bit daft, to be honest. And I would definitely feel that way. But they're so good at um, 
uh, you know, explaining these kind of things. I mean, first up, actually, in, in this part one, you'll be hearing um, a lot from uh, the, the, the two evolution biologists, Sasha and Dave, and, and also from Michael Sweet. But they make such a good job, uh, you know, making it accessible. So hopefully that's what you'll find. And hopefully, yeah, you'll get to find it interesting. I do hope so. Anyway, I, hope I don't send your listeners screaming off. Um, well, I think <laughs> it is. Uh, yeah, well, I don't think so, because it's, it is very accessible. I mean, what are you hoping people will be able to take away from listening over the, the next few nights? Yeah, the, so the, I think the first key thing is that there are ample opportunities to get involved in science. So just by asking a question like this that seems, you know, very open-ended, very, you know, there's a good look, a lot of kind of um, just thinking and kind of arm waving in, in this, which is the whole point. So I just want it to be, you know, just, um, I mean, borderline sci-fi to know some of these things sound, but it really is, you know, this is real science that's going on. You're going to be introduced to a lot of different areas, you know, ranging from astrophysics uh, through evolutionary biology and, and as I say, molecular ecology with uh, Michael Sweet. Uh, and really, it, it just goes to show, I think, and the key thing is, there are so many different areas of science that you can get involved in. And, and as I say, uh, one of these projects in particular, they are actually looking for people, um, you know, just to get involved and, and actually help for, for real. So to, to, do, to do some science. So I'm really hoping that if it, if it does one thing, that would be just to make people think a bit um, and realize that there are loads of these areas of science out there that could well, could well interest them and could well be for them. And there's lots of opportunities to read it read more about this get involved in the field and also crucially actually do some real science too so that's that's the plan hopefully well i i really hope that that's exactly what happens as well ben thank you so much for putting this together and for having all these conversations and uh, uploading it of course as well thank you so much dr ben makin who has put uh, together this uh, documentary and now here it is then part one see what you make of this You'll be hearing this over the next few nights. Really thought-provoking stuff, this, and particularly interesting as well uh, if you if you want to answer those big questions. Part one of Life, What on Earth Is It? It might be a question you haven't thought about in a while. Perhaps it came to you last as you gazed up at a clear night sky, blinking stars shimmering against an intricately and potentially infinitely illustrated canvas. Or maybe as you looked down into the shimmering waters of a local pond, each drop of water teeming with countless living organisms. It could even have been a question that you asked your friends at sleepovers when you were younger watching sci-fi films on a Friday night. But today, I want to pose the question, what is life? What separates it from the water in that pond? What's different about the leaves of a tree and the breeze that blows through them? And furthermore, how did life begin? And are we alone in the universe? These are some of the biggest questions in biology and in science. And to begin to answer, in this programme, I'm going to turn to evolutionary biologists, molecular ecologists, and even physicists who spend their days observing and characterising distant planets, searching for those that are Earth-like. Well, I'm Dr. Ben, and I'm very, very pleased to have you join us on this programme. We're going to start by talking to evolutionary biologists from the University of Exeter's Cornwall campus, Professor Sasha Dahl and Professor Dave Hoskin. So let's start by asking that question of the evolutionary biologists. 
What is life? It's a very, very old question, right? Um, and even, I mean, predates our understanding of evolution, predates genes, predates all the things that everybody kind of posits are, you know, kind of central to life. As far as I, I'm aware, there are kind of two, you know, two kind of main ways that people approach this. On the one hand, people talk about replication and the need and self-replication the need the fact that what you're doing is you know you can reproduce and that reproductive lineages are at the heart of of biodiversity you can't understand biodiversity without without understanding reproductive lineages and their history and their dynamics replication with some fidelity right you're talking about things that that you know entities that can copy themselves uh and they're not going to be able to copy themselves forever because nothing can escape the second law of thermodynamics eventually you know it changes just because you nothing's you can can never have a perfect process um in practice so so then the sweet spot is how much how much how long do you need to be faithful before it stops being a replicator yeah. if you see what i mean mm-hmm. so and people talk a little bit about that i mean and, and it depends over which time steps you look from time step to time step there should be reasonably high fidelity but over the vast tracts of time sure. that yeah. the initiator to end point sure. might be quite different. Well, biological processes are defined. I mean, the time, the, the relevant, important time scale for biological processes is the replication time. Is the is the unit the time over which it takes to produce another copy, mm-hmm. produce copies, right? So there isn't an absolute time scale. So for a, a bacterium, it's going to be much much quicker. The world is a much quicker place mm-hmm. than an elephant, mm-hmm. right? So, but it, this is why, you know, where, when we work at an evolutionary scale and try to predict evolutionary dynamics, and we talk about time in them, we're you know we pretty much always have to be referring to 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 sort of reproductive time, yes. if you like, reproductive time scale. So yes, it's how many how many reproductive time how many reproductive events are you keeping. The, the kind of the, most of the structure intact, intact and in fact you don't keep all of the structure intact in any replication process uh, I mean biology tends to be dominated by these information rich molecules that allow for uh, they're very stable from a chemical from a biochemical perspective from an entropic perspective perspective they allow this they allow the structure the kind of core information to persist for long enough for it to be considered you know, a replicator and replication from, you know, in an evolutionarily meaningful way. You know, some people suggest that you need this kind of replication to be going on for there to be life, okay? But then you have to include things like um, some types of crystals, some some biochemical processes, autocatalytic networks, RNA, you know, viruses... So Professor Sasha Dahl has highlighted the importance of having something capable of replication when we're talking about life. And we've just talked about viruses and whether these two fit that definition. I'm going to turn now to Professor Michael Sweet from the University of Derby, who's going to delve more into viruses and how to think about them in this context. And in doing so, we're going to move closer to some potential explanations for the origin of life. That brings us on to to viruses. So viruses are are super cool. Um, 
they're they're non-cellular, so they they don't have cells like the single-celled organisms, like proteists and bacteria and things like that. Um, but it's a non-cellular particle made up of genetic material uh, and protein uh, that can invade uh, living cells. So the, they were first identified in in 1898, and that was actually the, the tobacco mosaic virus because it was causing mass problems for the tobacco industry. So a lot of people and a lot of money was put into that. Um, and since then, uh, thousands of viruses have been described, um, and quite a lot of them are, are, are disease-associated. Um, but uh, the vast majority of them uh, behave in a way that they need uh, another organism uh, to survive. Yeah. Um, but even though we know so much about viruses now, the actual origins of viruses remains unknown. So not only do we not know the origin of life, um, but we don't understand the origin of where these, these viruses have actually come from. So, so interesting, isn't it? Professor Michael Sweet from the University of Derby, and you'll hear more from him uh, in part two of Life. What on earth is